This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com All right, folks, we're back. The long-awaited Craig Medred podcast. How you doing, Craig? I'm doing good. No. You know, we're not quite six feet apart, so I'm a little terrified. I think we're about than, five. Than, yeah, we're five, so I'm a little terrified. But I'll spit into the mic, so if you do the same, we'll both be safe. We, we clean the mics afterwards. We're, we're very, uh, very COVID-conscious <laughs> over here. So I got to say, I met you. I knew about you, obviously, for years. I was reading your stuff. And I want to go kind of back from before, but you dispatch and ADN. That's how folks know, know you. Yeah, right? but. Yeah. Um, now I was talking to Rick Rydell, Rick Green. He was telling me, ask about, you came to Juneau, right? From in the seventies. I, I came to Juneau from Washington DC where I was working as an aide for Mike Gravel. Mike, oh, you know, I was supposed <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, that Mike Gravel. I was supposed to do a podcast with him in, in, in March. I was going to fly to California and I got a hold of him and he's still, he's 90 now and, uh, COVID happened. Right. So I, yeah. I was, we're still in touch. I want to still do it, but, um, you know, I, I had done a ton of research on him and fascinating guy with, with greening and. You know, yeah. like a big upset and, and, in 68. And crazy. <laughs> I, <laughs> I heard a million stories. Were you there when he did the uh, the convention, when he nominated himself, right? Uh, I was out of there before. Well, I'm trying to remember. Yeah, that was 70. Uh, yes, yeah, I, that was just. 72, be- I think. Just before I got there. I think I got there in 75. So you worked 76? for Gravel? Yeah. And you had not been in Alaska before that? or had Oh, you? yeah, yeah. No, I went to school in Fairbanks. I went, you know, I went to the university in Fairbanks. How'd you get hooked up with Gravel? Um, I needed a job. <laughs> wow. I, went, I left Minnesota in 1973 because it just was, you know, I was like tired of it. And I drove to Fairbanks and there was no economy in Fairbanks in 1973. Couldn't find a job, so I went back to school. Um, then the pipeline started. By then, I was working for the local radio and TV station, so I wasn't smart enough to take a pipeline job and make lots of money. I was going to say 73 is right when the th- almost pre-pipeline. Yeah, pre-pipeline. Right? So by 75, Fairbanks was like the Wild West. I mean, it was an incredible place to be. If I've, re- really I've read, you know. I, it was I, insane. I mean, it, 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 I haven't read Johnny's Girl, but I heard about it. Yeah, it made, Joe McGinnis came closest to capturing it, and he wasn't. Close. I mean, it was just insane. I mean, I just it, read an article a few weeks ago. Somebody shared called Boomtown, and basically talked yeah. about. Did you read that? Yeah, it was like the, it was like the Wild West. Some guy died at the bar, and they didn't oh, even know he was yeah, dead. There were there were knife fights in the bars every night. There were hookers trying to grab you out of your car on the street. I mean, it. My most memorable experience was I went to the bank one day in downtown Fairbanks to cash a check, and the guy in front of me cashes his paycheck, and he takes a wad of twenties. And he puts one between each set of fingers and his thumb, and he walks out of the bank that way. And I'm wow. standing behind him at the stoplight on the street going, why don't I just mug this guy? I mean, he's got more money than I've ever seen in his hand. So I heard some of the, you know, I've, I play, play poker a lot here. Some of the old timers. Yeah, I are, lost a car and I quit playing in Fairbanks. Well, some of the guys that are here, they still talk about those days, and they say, in Fairbanks, and they said, 
it was wild. They said one day they just all these women showed up and they were like, "Who are these, you know, hookers?" Oh yeah, there were hookers everywhere. From Chicago and New York and there was pimps and there was you know mafia <laughs> yeah. and there was like yeah, crime. It was, insane. And, it was the Wild West. I mean, there's no other description that fits it. So you were there for all, the whole. Yeah, I, I was there from uh, like '73 to '75, and then I got out of school, and needed a job, um, and couldn't find one. And a friend said, "You know, well, Gravel's looking for a press secretary. Why don't you tell him you're interested?" And so next thing I knew, <laughs> around just before the Christmas season, I went from Alaska, where it was you know cold, to uh, <laughs> to DC, where it was like 75 degrees. And I was doing my Christmas shopping in downtown D.C., which is heavily colored. I mean, in those days especially, it's kind of, you know, changed and gentrified now. But uh-huh. in those days, almost everyone was black. And I thought for a time, it's like, what, I land in Africa? I mean, I, I've gone from this cold, frozen white place to a, a, a hot place full of colored people. And it was, a, it was a strange experience. How long were you in D.C. for? Oh, like a year. So not, very, not too long? Not too long. I couldn't take it any longer than that. And friend, you came- a friend called me from Juno who had gone to school with Kim Elton, who be, later became a lawmaker, and mm-hmm. uh, said, you know, I got a job here. Do you want a job? So I said, yeah, sure. That was at the Empire. That. Yeah, it was at the Empire. So <laughs> Were you there when Suzanne Downing was there? <laughs> no. So I flew back from D.C. where I'd had, you know, this kind of um, real-world experience where it was all of these, you know, people of color and, and kind of a really diverse community and you know, it's okay. I like D.C. It's a nice kind of, you know, town. Back to Juno, which, you know, and then I, my first impression when I flew in was, I forgot what a dump this is. <laughs> I mean, it was dirty. It was not in the good time of year for Juno to look its best. I mean, it was just dirty everywhere, and I kind of like went, ooh, what did I do here? But, you know, I had fun there. So how long were you at the Empire for? Oh, God, I was probably in Juno for about five years. It's, it's hard to remember because, I mean, at some point in there, I was married. We were living on a sailboat. We were going to sail around the world. Um, I probably wasn't a very good husband. Um, <laughs> we were going to sail around the world. and uh, She was Alaskan? She was Alaskan or she was? She was, uh, she was someone I knew in Minnesota, and we reconnected in the States. And, you know, one thing leads to another, and there you are. So we were living on the sailboat, and at some point I quit work because the Empire was like, okay, I've had it with this. We changed editors a couple times. The editor, the managing editor we ended up with was a friend of mine who I thought would be okay, and it was not so okay. I mean, we got, we'd have these staff meetings like once a week that got to the point that I'd walk in and say, okay, Carl, what chicken shit thing are we going to do this week? <laughs> so you were, but you were there, I mean, that must have been interesting, and that was the 80s, right, or 70s, 80s? It's 70s, 80s, yeah. So there, was, there must have been a whole lot going on with legislature and money, yeah, and all, uh, the, all yeah. the money was pouring in, right? The money was pouring in. Bob LaRoche was running around with his, you know, white headdress. I mean, it was the blue-eyed Arabs of the North. Drugs were everywhere. So I, now, I, In some ways, not much had changed from the pipe. Line. So I did a podcast uh, uh, earlier in the year. Oh, what was that guy's name? He was a political science professor, British British guy. He was in Juno. Uh, he was a teacher there for a long. He wrote this book about like lobby. I forget his name, but he's a British. He told me he got there, and he got a job. He applied for a few colleges, and, and the UAS hired him to, to teach political science. And he got there, and it was like the '80s. And um, if I think of his name, you probably know him. But anyways, he uh, there was a lot of coke going up. People. He said he went to this party. He went to this party with legislators, 
and it was cold. It was winter, and he had just got there. He went to the Capitol, met some folks, and I'm teaching political science. And and then he went to this party he got invited to with these legislators, and he he went to take his jacket off, and they they said, oh, um, let's put it in this room here, and they opened the door, and he said there was like he wouldn't give me names, but there was a bunch of lawmakers at a table snorting coke. Yeah, it was. There were a lot of drugs. There were there were, there were a lot of drugs. <laughs> lawmakers, reporters. It was drugs with everyone. Must have been just totally wild. Huh? It, it was pretty. It's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it was. It, you know, it, it, it. Yeah. So, so I think a lot of folks that know you know you from like ADN and then the Dispatch. Yeah. From from your writings yeah. and and um, before we get into that, I got to ask. Now, I I'm, I was aware of this, but I didn't know the details. And I talked to Rick Green or Rydell. Now you had this bear attack, right in the nineties. Uh, I think it was in eighty nine. I know I can never quite remember what year it was, but it was, it, it was right around the. Is eighty nine or ninety? It might have been ninety. So you it were. Might, it might have been ninety on the nose. And this wasn't like in the in the bush. This was off a trail. right? Well, this was this was uh, it was close to the Russian River. Um, I was across on the far side of the Russian River, back in the Kenai Mountains, moose hunting, and uh, I ran into a couple year old bears that I kind of saw out of the corner of my eye and said, well, okay, I can just edge out of here. I don't think they know where I am and I'll just, you know, we'll go around them. This will be no big deal. And they said, decided to follow me. Oh shit. And then I heard the thundering sound of feet and I went, Oh, oh mama's coming. And I'd had a, quite a bit of experience with bears by that point. So I was figuring, you know, she'll stop. I mean, this is we got enough room because bears don't. I mean, no, they don't. They don't, they don't want to attack. They don't want to attack you. So I kind of figured she'd stop. And about five feet from me, I decided she wasn't going to stop, and I missed her. How I missed her, I don't know. You had a casual, right? Yeah, I was hand. I, I always I hunted for a long time with a handgun only because just because it was easy to carry and pack around. So I had a scoped casual, and I I would guess that she was so close, I just never found her in the scope. Um, or if I hit her, I didn't hit her good. Um, so she just came. She went right over me. She grabbed the, uh, the she grabbed the casul by the scope, which still has teeth marks in the scope. Holy shit! Went right over me. Put a claw in my face underneath my jawline. This is a brown bear. Yeah, this is a big, big brown bear. Just in my jawline. How I hung onto the gun, I don't know. But she went over the top of me. And when she came around, she grabbed me by the leg. And I, and my first thought was, okay, this is going to be easy. Just don't shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> and I popped her. And she let go. Where'd you hit her? I We don't know, but it sounded between the shoulders. And rolled downhill. And at that point, one of the bullets had jumped. A problem I knew and should have fixed beforehand which is the recoil is so heavy in the kind of souped-up hand loads I was using in the casual that if they aren't crimped tight enough, the bullet will creep forward because of the recoil. Uh So the bullet crept forward, and the cylinder wouldn't turn. So I'm, like, going, okay, how do I smash this bullet down in the cartridge to get the cylinder turned? And she stood up and rolled downhill again, so I knew she was hit really hard. And she kept going. She just kept stumbling downhill, and I kind of said... Okay, let's lash your boot up and get out of here. So I lashed my boot up. I had to wade the Russian. Were you badly hurt? Um, it wasn't comfortable. I had to wade the Russian River. That wasn't very comfortable because I'm thinking about all the salmon snot getting in there from decaying salmon. I got in my truck, which was the last truck I owned with it with a stick shift because it was oh. my right leg and it wasn't working very good. So I had to kind of work the clutch and the. And so the what break happened, with what my happened, left leg. What happened to the leg? Claws? Teeth? Teeth. 
she she ripped a pretty good hole in my leg with her teeth before oh. she let go. And see, I've shot the my friend had a Casul and I've shot it, and I mean it's it's not a comfortable gun. Oh, to it's shoot. not a comfortable. It's, it's not like gun a fun nine millimeter no. or Glock or something where you're no. having a good time. I mean, you shoot it, and I had a video actually where I'm shooting it, and yeah. the ground where you, the, the 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 sand jumps off the ground. Yeah, this is like, I mean, I mean, this is like four and a half four and a half inch barrel, the four and five inch, inch barrel, so it, it throws flame up the end. I mean, if you shoot it in the dark, it so it did, looks. Did you like, find the bear? It looks like a flamethrower. No, I went to uh, to uh, Gwyn's there and walked in, and you know, said I'm going to lay down on the floor in the bar. Could you call me an ambulance? <laughs> And someone said, what happened? And I said, I shot a bear. I left my pack there. I gave directions to it. Um, Brandon Anderson came and saw, Trooper Brandon Anderson came and saw me in the emergency room in Kenai, and I told him, you know, where the pack was, how to get there, all of that. He went back with someone else. They found the pack. They found lots and lots of blood. They tracked the bear. It doesn't sound like very far. He said it was blowing blood out the top like a whale. Um, they kind of decided this bear's going to die. Let's not risk falling any farther. Jesus. See, Mel Gillis, you know Mel Gillis? Oh, yeah. So I'm helping him with his campaign, but I met him a couple years ago with the yeah. 3VAC thing. But he's a hunting, you know, hunting guy. Oh, he I told know. me. I know. He told me this story because I, I, um, I asked him. Once I said, have, you, have people ever frozen up? And, and he goes, sometimes they do. You know, they just don't know. They freeze. Yeah, they freeze. And he said this one story, a guy... Um, I think a guy had frozen up, and so they had shot it with a three. What the hell was it? Three set, three set. Oh, I'm trying to think of the gun, but it was it was a big rifle, and and they shot it, and then um, everybody was kind of cheering, high fiving. You know, we got this thing, but then it went. It, it fell down. I mean, it fell down like a like a mountain, like a cliff, right? Yeah. So they they yeah. all they're all pumping up, pumped up, high fiving, and they go down. It's gone, and they said, "What the fuck? Where'd it go?" And they track it, and this thing it was I think it was a three. What the hell was it? Three seventy eight. Probably anyway, a 375 H and H. Yeah, so it was a pretty common gun there. So they track it over a pass, yeah. five miles. It went over, and they still never found it. Wow, you know it's incredible that that. Yeah, it sounds. Be- well, it sounds like the one my neighbor shot in his garage like eight years ago. That there was blood everywhere, and Fish and Wildlife tracked that for about a hundred. Actually, his APD came and they followed it for about a hundred yards. So the next morning, the neighbor. Of mine who was John was a hunting guide and I went out like you know we better not have this thing in the neighborhood and we followed it around in the alders for a lot of fun this I mean it's just great fun following a wounded bear around the alders we finally followed it around the alders for a good mile and it finally went up and over a ridge and headed off towards McHugh and we said that's enough. So, so these I mean it's unless, probably not coming back unless you get a real hit I mean these things are just yeah they're, super they're resilient. Tough. But animals are tough. I mean, I, I've had, you know, caribou and moose and that do the same thing. I mean, I remember taking a friend's wife caribou hunting one time when she shot a caribou that didn't go down, and I blasted it like six times. It just kept going. I mean, I don't know what was going on with that animal. Jesus. But by the time we got to it, it was like, oh, my God, what a mess. So how long was the recovery from the bear attack? Were you, were you like, permanent th- damage, or did you recover fully? I um, It took... Well, physically, it was probably, you know, a month. I healed pretty quick. Um, we had a, Robbie and I had a trip planned to Europe for shortly thereafter, and we went on the trip. And What about mentally? I mean, do you, when you go out uh, afterwards, do you, does that come back to you? Or? No, mentally for a while I was, uh, you know, wondering how it would settle in. And then I, for mentally for a while, I was super aggressive towards bears. Um, 
which uh, I kind of, I've mellowed out now. But for a while there, I was like, come on, buddy, let's go. Uh-huh. I had a real. So I was going to ask you to my friend, Allison, I think maybe you've seen her pictures or posting. She lives up on the hillside there in her fam- with her family. And, uh-huh. you know, and, and, you know, I don't live up there, but she, she's, she was raised there and, and there's bears all the time. Summer. I mean, there's, there's bears black the and brown. Now. And, yeah. and now I was going to ask you, cause some folks say, well, that's part of living up there. Now she says, this is new. This is not something we grew no, up with. This is new. So what's going on? Why are there so many more bears? Uh, and, you know, Weddleton, I think said, uh, well, that's kind of price you pay for living on the hillside. Is that, I, I mean, we once had a very depressed bear population here. Um, if, you, if you go back to the old days, I mean, hunting, it's, it's only in recent times hunting on the edge of Anchorage has ended. I mean, in the 70s, people were still moose hunting and sheep hunting and bear hunting right on the outskirts of the city. So we had a very depressed moose population. I mean, a very depressed bear population. It took a time to recover. I would say it's now fully recovered. And what we're seeing is, is that there's really no room in Chugach State Park for any new bears to find a home. So they go looking for places that don't have a lot of other bears. So what's, what's, with fish, what's with fish and game or, I mean, whoever, I guess, fish and game, why, why, aren't, why aren't they going out and why aren't they killing them or why aren't they letting people kill them? Um, well, I don't think anybody wants people killing them because they're worried about not killing them. Uh, okay, yeah. Or, or stray bullets. Well, or, I guess opening a hunt, right? You could open a yeah. hunt, couldn't you? Yeah, but I mean, I, I think that fish and game, there's concern that most hunters aren't very competent. Have you ever gone to the rifle range? Yeah, no, I have. Yeah. <laughs> Half of them can't hit the backstop, let alone a target. What about fishing game doing it? Um, they remove a lot of them. I mean, I think it was uh, what year? I don't know how many they took out this year, but a couple of years ago it was you know up around twenty, which is a lot of bears. So here's something. So sometimes somebody you eat know, the trails, people get mauled or killed. We've we've seen the last several years, and then they go and find it. I mean, how do they? I've always wondered kind of how do they know. They found the right bear. Um, well, they know if they found the right bear because of the genetics, they can now link them. Okay, like the- they can take like a, just like you know MSI, they take a, a genetic fingerprint and they you know match it to the gen- genes of the bear and say this is the bear. But what they do is they go out and shoot a bunch of them, and they, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of the old kill them all and let God sort them out method. So now I, I got to ask you too about this Al Gross thing because we were you you had done written about it, we had done request and uh you know this was a whole kind of theme for him he killed a bear a bear I doctor a bear, but... and, and you know it was kind of just weird i mean that was i mean can you imagine running that campaign in the lower 48 oh know, god like in, in california i'm running for office i killed a bear that would be like a death sentence any other st- any know, other fucking any state. Other state they'd be like oh my god you killed a bear so it got to the point where it was like it was it became a main th- it became a theme campaign theme right everywhere you look it's like this bear thing yeah, yeah. so so then the requests go in um, this now, and, and when you, when you kill a bear and a lot, I'm not a hunter, but I know that if you kill a fucking bear or anything, you call the fishing game right away. Yeah. For the troopers. And, and it's a pain in the butt because they make you salvage the hide. They make you salvage the skull. It's, it's just a pain in the butt. I, a, a few years ago, we, we very, have very rarely had problems with bears in my neighborhood, but it, oh God, it must be maybe 10 years ago. Now we had problems with a black bear that was, that was getting regularly in garbage. And I got kind of irritated about it and got some rubber slugs and said, you know, I'm going to tease this bear. This is a bad idea. So he got in the neighbor's garbage one morning. I ran out in the road and I shot him in the butt with a rubber slug and the bear took off like crazy. And the, the nice 
the nice lesbian ladies who lived across the street from us <laughs> got very mad at me. But not because I shot the butt bear in the butt with the slug. It was because why didn't you kill that bear? That bear was nothing but problems. Something which would not happen in California. And I had to explain to him that, you know, if I kill that bear, I got to fill out a bunch of paperwork. I got to skin it. I got to, I don't want to do it. It's just so, too much so trouble. When, we, when, when the request came back and, and it found out that Gross, in fact, was with his buddy, this Jeffrey yeah, and Jones. His buddy, and, and his buddy killed it. Um, and I, we were kind of writing about it and, and I thought it was, it's, it's more than fair. I mean, the guy made this like a theme. I mean, he brought it yeah, up. We, yeah, he else, brought it up. He brought, I mean, it. He, he brought it up. It's a legitimate question. You so, know? So you said something interesting. You said, when I messaged you, said, you said, I'm curious where the paws are. Yeah. The claws disappeared. So, so those could be on somebody's wall. Somewhere. Yeah. They could be on somebody's saved. I mean, my, there's no way somebody didn't save those as a souvenir. I mean, they're not going to throw them away. Right. Now, the skull went to the, the... Yeah, the skull went to the state. The hide went to the state. But, you know, the claws are kind of cool. They're big and they're long. And, you know, a lot of people consider them a souvenir. So I, I got to believe someone's got the claws somewhere. It, it, for me, it was so funny or weird when it was this whole theme of, you know, I shot it like I was a bear snuck up on me. I killed a bear. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, but then this new thing came out where he was bear doctor. Now, for me... Doctor means like help, yes. helping somebody. Yeah, like so, a, like a vet. Yeah, like but you're, you're, you're a bear killer. You're not, I know. <laughs> the bear doctor. It's so funny you brought that I up. I mean, the whole doctor thing. I mean, it's <laughs> you just did like, that in California. If he gets elected, are we going to have to refer to him as Senator Doctor <laughs> Al Gross? I mean, it's like it's so funny. You I'm a man of the people, doctor. I mean, what, in this day and age, get real. Doctors are rich. Do you know any poor ones? I, I don't. No. <laughs> I don't either. It's so funny how you said if if you did that in California. <laughs> Be like a death. St- I shot a bear. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, you should be arrested. Run over office. You should be in jail. <laughs> so when now when, when the fishing game gets these uh, these uh, skulls and these and these hides and claws, um, they they do they give them to the auction? Is that yeah? What they take they take and have them tan and they take them to the auction. So I guess the question no one has ever asked is who bought Al Gross's bear hide? This is, this is going back ninety five. Well, there should be a record of it. Right? Yeah, there should be a record of it. Nobody ever thought to ask. No, I, I mean, when I, I, I will admit, when I first saw the ad on TV, I kind of went, oh, did he really kill a bear? And then being like every other reporter in Anchorage, I didn't bother. See, I just check. kind of, I just, I mean, I just assumed, you see it, and you, th- you think, how could somebody, how could somebody just not tell the to- tr- truth about that? And I just assumed, yeah, he goes hunting and some bear snuck up on him well, and shot him. Come on, where have you been for the last two years? How could someone not tell the truth about that's that? That's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. A politician who would fib in this day and age. It's a really good point. They're, they're really rare. You can hardly find one. So so when did you get to the – you were you were ADN before uh, dispatch, yeah, right? Yeah. So when did that start? Oh, Let's see. I got divorced along about 81 maybe. And I went to Seattle for a year and was working for a seafood business report in National Fisherman Magazine. Um, and spent a lot of time on my motorcycle and having fun, but I really didn't want to live in Seattle. Although Seattle at that time was really nice. So Howard Weaver was then at the uh, Daily yeah. News. And I knew Howard from way back. And Howard and I were buds in his drinking days before I quit drinking. Um, He's a drinker? Oh, he's a he's a big time party boy. Oh wow! I got I got I got to read his book. I haven't read it yet, but I know there's a book he wrote. I I don't know if he put any of that in the book. So anyway, he called me in Seattle and said, "Hey, do you want a job?" And I said, well, "Sure, whatever." So I showed up in Anchorage on the motorcycle and from the you 
Yeah, drove cab? up. Yeah, it was blast. Oh, shit. That would yeah. be fun. I got busted in Canada for riding without a helmet and driving <laughs> too fast. <laughs> <laughs> it was all kinds of fun. But, yeah, I came up on the on the uh, cycle and went to work at the Daily News, which at the time was, you know, the little kid on the block in a big fight with the powerful Anchorage Times. And I've heard, yeah, I was way before me, oh, but I've it, heard that was a big deal, right? Oh, it was a fun place to work. I mean, it was just a... Out of control. Was this was this kind of like uh, was it similar to the ADN dispatch? Yeah, kind of deal? it was. I mean, it was, working at the ADN in those days was look working at the dispatch was when the dispatch started. I mean, it was just you know free for all. When did you meet Robbie in, in, in this period of time? Um, she was working at the Daily News. Oh, okay. I didn't know she worked there. Yeah. Okay, yeah, she big, was, big fan of her. She was a reporter there. She got fired. She couldn't keep her mouth shut. She eventually learned how to keep her mouth shut. <laughs> she's, she was, she's in. I didn't she even was know you, worse than I am. I, I didn't mean, know. I didn't know for until a couple of years ago. You guys, I didn't know you guys were together. Yeah, and you, she you was are, for a time worse than I was. She just could not. She had no mouth control. I mean, around her bosses. I mean, she would, you know, ask questions about every stupid hypocritical decision they made, <laughs> um, and it was just not good. Because now when I see her, she's like polished and yeah, and just she's very polished. She's and thoughtful and professional, and she would opposite you know, of you. Uh, yeah, the opposite of me. And Polar she opposite. was she was worse. I mean, it was the Daily News was on a big ethics thing then, and they weren't going to take a free trip from anybody, and you couldn't, you know, this and that. We can't do that because it's a free trip. And then someone would take a free trip, and then a staff meeting, she'd go. Why did we just let so and so? Yeah, good, good for her. Yeah, well, it's not a it's not a good way to keep your bosses happy. So, when things got messy and everybody wanted an editor fired, Robbie got fired to show that Howard wasn't being mean, and the editor got promoted to a job doing nothing. Oh, it was so, so the it was a ter- perfect bureaucratic solution. The time that was was the time was that was that Atwood. Yeah, so Bob that was Atwood. the big that was the big fight, right? Yeah, Bob Atwood, who was a, an institution. So what, what, eventually ADN, I guess, won. They, yeah. they prevailed in, in the end. Yeah, they had a lot more money to spend, and they had, a, uh, they had a great publisher by the name of Jerry Grilly, who was a wild man. He knew how to promote, and what a party animal. Who's this? Jerry Grilly. Oh, my God. Sounds like my kind oh. of guy. My, my first day, my first day in Anchorage, I ended up with him and Howard going out for drinks. We went to an after hours club. There was a lot of gambling. There was a lot of drinking. It was 5 a.m. in the morning when we left there. I didn't get to work until 11 on my first day at work. <laughs> and Jerry walked by my office and said, you're a little late getting in here and you look kind of wasted. And Howard didn't come in till noon. So I felt better about it. And that's the kind of place it was. Yes. <laughs> A lot different now. So you were there when Hewlin was. I mean, Hewlin was there in the eighties, wasn't he? And um, I was there several years before Hewlin got there. He's that's amazing. He's still there. He's been there since yeah, the he's late eighties, forever. So, so I want to talk about this dispatch thing because you know I, I moved here in '04, and you know a couple of years later I got you know graduated UA and started working in 2010, and I started really paying attention and you know I ran for state senate for the first time in 2012. So I love the dispatch. I mean, it was like. It was a competing newspaper. It was Amanda was great. Coin. There was um, oh what's the oh what's the she she's with the Solid Waste now. The reporter. Oh my gosh, I'm so Suzanne. Suzanne Caldwell. Yeah, Caldwell. And it yeah. was just so there was a you, and it was just as great. Yeah. And it was it was to me such a great um com- competition between the two papers, and it was so fun to read it. It was Dispatch always had cool takes and interesting, and and then this thing with with uh, 
you know, Rogoff, and then the ADN thing happened. Yeah. And right. and to me, I, I want to see what you think. That just seemed to be the, maybe it was a money thing. Obviously, you got to make money, but it just seemed to be the worst decision ever. Because um, the competition ended. Yeah, and people told Ellis it was going to be the worst decision ever because you could kind of see what was coming, and she had no overhead. I mean, we were operating out of a an, out of a hangar on Merrill Field, and it, I mean, it basically cost nothing to run the place. And instead, she threw all this money. I mean, she could still be running the place. How many people? You was there ten people at the peak? Yeah, was there? we probably had ten reporters at the top, ten reporters and editors at the maximum size. Who well, else you, was there? The guy from um, Scott Woodham was there. Yeah, Scott. Scott I remember Scott. Yeah. He was great. He was. Uh, he was great. He did. He did the you know the news brief that he could take every story in the Anchor Daily News and cut it down to a paragraph and make it more interesting than what was. Yeah, in no, I, I remember when he was with, when they merged, he was the opinion guy. So I yeah, worked with him yeah. on opinion. No, he, he was, Scott was awesome. Um, and Scott, when he first started was working in Kentucky. Oh uh, yeah. And he, he, he grew up here and he was, he was working remotely in Kentucky because we put stuff up on a timeline. It was better to have it up for the East coast. So it was easier to work from there. And then when he'd come visit, he'd bring really good bourbon. So. Oh, good. I yeah. Like that. I mean, and Alice kept a bar in the building, and you this know. is at the Merrill, right? Merrill. Yeah, I mean, there was there was a bar in there. There was a stock refrigerator. I mean, it was like great. The only time I ever went in there was to eat or drink and work from home all the time. And then she she bought the Anchor Daily News, and one of the first things she did was come up with an alcohol policy, and you know, oh, no fuck. no booze on the premise, even in the parking lot. <laughs> I mean, where to yeah. kill, kill the culture, huh? Yeah, it's just like so, a, a, a choked it. So was, was was dispatch? Were they were they breaking even? Were they making money? I mean, were they were making. They were losing pay? money. So they weren't. And that's yeah. this is the problem that I have now with landmine, and you have. Yeah. You know, it's it's yeah. it's hard to it's, it's hard, hard to, to make, make it work. Money. Yeah, it's hard it, to get. She was probably losing five hundred thousand a year, um, at the high point of the losses. Um, she'd be making money now. Uh, she lost. It was, just, it was just it was something that I mean it was just I think. I feel like everybody who was paying attention at all read it. I mean, it was something we all yeah, liked, liked to read. For, for the twenty million she lost at you know eighty inch, she could have run it for forty years. So when this thing happened, what, where were you? I mean, you, they had a meeting, or they announced, "Hey, we're we're merging," I, I, or we're. I <laughs> I knew about it before it happened. I told her not to do it. Robbie told her not to do it. Tony told her not to do it. Top finger. Yeah, most most of the. People who were kind of on the inner circle, Robbie had put together that deal with the ADN. Yeah, the the first dispatch deal. Oh, okay, okay. Alice, Alice, and Alice and Robbie knew each other. Alice was wanting to start a native TV station. Yeah, a, she had that. Did she have that store? That yeah, yeah. Gallery. She wanted and, to start a, New York. Na- a native TV station, and it kind of it was explained to her that you know. There's not a very large demand for that, that if you think you're having trouble, you know, you have to get advertisers for what you're doing. There's just not a big demand for that. So then she wanted to get into the news business. So Robbie and Amanda and, and Tony had started dispatching their kitchen and were kind of, you know, and, and Tony was working for Bloomberg and, and uh, Amanda was teaching it. APU, which is where the money was coming from. This is Amanda Coyne. So yeah. Everybody knows her. She's Yeah, and that's where the money was coming from, and it kind of supported, you know, the dispatch they were running in their kitchen. Now, Amanda actually has a connection. My understanding is, didn't Nick Coltman originally? Yeah, good. well, they from, were all at the press, press at one yeah, time. Anchorage yeah, press. Tony was the editor there for a while, and Amanda worked there. I think that's where they met. Which, which, which that's another side topic, but what the hell happened to the press? I mean, man, they used um, to be... 
Got the big call coming in, partner. I'm. It won't turn pre- on. Pre- press the side button. There you go. <laughs> it's technology. Damn it, technology. So, um, I am the market changed. I mean, everybody went online. But the press was. I mean. Yeah, but I mean, the part of their part of their money was personals. I mean, oh, part they, of yeah, part of their readership was personals. I mean, who didn't go to the personals just to read the crazy personals? No, I did. I mean, I yeah, I remember I used to always grab it and read. There's yeah, it's still got some good. The Savage column they run, and but it just seems to have. Um, I think Nick got out of that thing in 06. Yeah. That he got out of the Nick got out of that thing, and it kind of didn't know where it was going anymore. So this dispatch thing happens, and then they they basically uh, was it a merger? Uh, what do you call it? A merger, I guess, or a it was a, it was a buyout. Buy- she she bought it. And then instead of doing what she'd been doing, she decided she would do what newspapers had been doing, which was just a monumental mistake. What was um, oh, what's the guy's name? The current he's kind of the, one of the business reporters for the ADN. Was he over there? Which one? Oh my gosh! Uh, it's t- been so t- much tall guy, thin guy. Oh my god! I'm tall, thin guy. Blanking on his name, right? He's at the ADN now. He writes a lot of the oil and gas stuff, and he's a. I think he was with uh, Dis- Dispatch too. Okay. I'll think of his. I'll think of his name in a second. But when you say tall thin guy, I immediately think of Larry Persley, who really not, knows. Not, no, 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 no. Who not, really not knows the oil industry? No, yeah. The um, I'll think of it in a second. But he's over. A- Alex Demarbon. De- Demarbon, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he was at the Dispatch, yeah, wasn't he? He was at the Dispatch. So it's like you guys had this team of like Suzanne yeah. and you and, and Alex yeah. and Amanda it, and Tony it, it and was, it was a pretty good group over there. What was what was it like? Just I mean, it must have been. You said the, the beer and the food and the hangar. It must have been a great place to show yeah, up. Yeah, it was a great place to show up. I mean, you know, you didn't have a lot of meetings. We met like once or twice a week talk about story ideas and then everybody went and did their thing now then tony um, and, and alice obviously they have the, the, the weird napkin kind of deal and that, that yeah. she, he won that but you had um i think you probably my, my memory everybody made money but me it's the story of my life well, <laughs> well i was gonna say my memory serves correct i think you i were wish the, I, got, I wish i got residuals i mean for a long time one of the stories that kept popping up over there is number one was timmy treadwell being eaten by a bear on the Kenai, on oh, the Kenai yeah, Peninsula. Yeah. yeah. So, I did that story for the, I, the Anchor's Daily News got that story courtesy of the LA Times because the Anchor's Daily News wouldn't pay for me to go to uh, California for his funeral. So I sold the story to the LA Times and the Daily News kind of got to piggyback off of the. Uh, that was a wild, that was another wild one, wasn't it? That, oh, that's that a crazy thing. story. Timmy was crazy. He was nuts. He, th- he thought you could make pets out of bears. Remember, if you, if you, if you heard the audio? Oh, they they, they, they they released part of the audio at some point. The the well, the stuff the, it, the film at his film at his his film at this at the uh, at the funeral was him kissing bears and petting bears. It was crazy. He, stuff. What's that? What's that grizzly man you watch and you're just like, yeah. what a fucking idiot. You know, yeah. this guy was, he, and then the well, poor was, woman he was with, the girlfriend. He was crazy. She was just uh, that's just sad. Collateral. I mean, she yeah. was yeah, collateral damage. She was just foolish. Well, what I was gonna say before is my memory serves correct. You were the only really one covering um, the bankruptcy. Yeah, they're, they're I don't nobody, think anybody was. Nobody co- else really wanted to touch it. So, so when was that? That was twenty. It was like two years ago, three years ago. Two, I, three. Years I don't think. Ago. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd really. I think we had started landmine, but I wasn't to the point where I was even ready to yeah, deal I with mean, that. But you, so what happened? So she was just there was just all this money, losing a lot of money, losing she, ton of money, and she had to and she filed for bankruptcy and uh yeah. She was losing, she was bleeding money from the start and it never got any better. So I did a podcast with Ryan Binkley and he, he told me, I mean, it's not a secret. They were basically days away from just shutting the doors. Yeah. Um, hit the side button, it'll it'll make it stop. 
Pop, popular guy. So so they were they were days away from yeah, shutting the doors for good. The doors. Payroll done. Yeah, everything's yeah. over. Look at no, it be, it look, be, look who's calling right now. What what, what a, I'm, well, I'm, now I'm getting a, now I'm getting a call. <laughs> look at that. Look at that. Now I'm getting a call. I called her earlier to ask about the podcast. That's why she's calling back. Probably the. Uh, I mean they were they were. I mean, they were days away from closing the door. The money had just run out. I'm going to answer this real quick. Hey, I'm just going to tell you, I'm on a podcast right now with uh, Medrid. So we were just talking about you and you called, but I'm going to call you back because we're on the podcast. But Bert, I'll, 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 I'll tell him. I'll call you back. Okay. That was Amanda Coyne. I, was, I called her earlier to ask about some of the topics to talk to you about. So she says she knows, hi. She knows too much of the history. So, 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 so this thing happens and the ADN's about to go down and the Binkley's and they, I guess, yeah, they been, buy- and they, the ADN have been about to go down for a year to nine months before that. I mean, any reporter worth, worth beans could have had that story. I no. mean, that, it was like, no, it was like no secret in the business community that the daily news was tilt tittering I think on the brain. P- p- I, I heard things too. That's the other thing in this, in the city. It's like, there's such a lack of. I feel like sometimes, you know, I do, we do stories, you do stories, other folks are out there doing yeah, stuff. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's scattered and there's just a, a, a lack of reporting power. So, so something happened with, um, I want to go back to the bankruptcy, but something happened with this Roland story, right? You did a story. Oh, Roland Ma, yeah. Yeah, about this border fish the, the, guy. The, yeah, the outlaw fisherman. Now, what happened? Now, that pissed off Alice? Is that what happened? Um, well, I don't know specifically what happened. I first wrote a story about Roland because it was funny because it was like the bear thing. He claimed to have discovered an endangered species. What? With, yeah, he claimed to have discovered an endangered species, which not many people discover a new endangered species. So I, you know, here's a candidate for the Board of Fisheries who in his resume claims to have discovered an endangered species. I was like, can this truly be? I mean, you know, if you do that, that's a big deal. This is this is worth news. So I went and ran that down. It turned out, yeah, no, he hadn't discovered an endangered species. Who the fuck would say something like that? Roland, he liked to pat himself. I mean, people do this all the time. I mean, if you're in the reporting business, you find out that if people's mouths are moving, they're lying. Yeah, I mean, true. it's just the size of the exaggeration. And so, some so, people exaggerate a little. Some people, you know, it's it's uh, it's Lion Brian Williams. I mean, it goes from he was in a helicopter yeah, to, close to the accident. To, <laughs> I was shot down. <laughs> I was shot down. I was almost killed. Do you, do you remember his weird apology when he's like, you know, uh, I may have uh, exaggerated on the. It, right. it did happen, but I may have said something that wasn't. Happening. I, I confounded those yeah. two situations. I arrived on the scene an hour later in another helicopter and took no gunfire, but I somehow got it confused. With the one that was, it's, it, 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 it's like it's like a real life Hollywood where they where they take like ten events and they make one you know one event to, to encapsulate all of yeah, it. Yeah, it was for real, a movie. It was like reality TV before reality TV. So so now this Roland guy gets appointed by Walker to the board yeah, of fish. Gets appointed by Walker to the board of fish. I, and Walker's Alice's buddy. Right. Oh I yeah. Mean, yeah. I mean they're they're like bound at the hip. So I do this story. Um, Pat Doherty, the angry former editor, makes a big deal. He's, he's, he, is, he is wild on yeah, Twitter. He is, he, he is angry. He, yeah, he's angry. He Man. makes a big deal out of it, writes a thing in the press claiming we made it all up, writes a reply to it for Roland under Roland's name, submits that. Scott Woodham says, you know, there's lots of factual errors in here. We're not running this till you write ri- Till you fix the factual yeah, errors. Yes, Scott wouldn't fuck around. Scott no, was legit. No, he said you have yeah. to fix the factual errors, and we'll be happy to run it. Well, that that led to Pat writing another column for the press about how the Daily News wouldn't run Roland through a bottle. Well, if it and, was full, if it was full of lies, you can't run it. Yeah, sure. no. So there was this big blow up, and and you know, Alice had a meeting, private meeting. 
that, you know, with Hewlin and uh, the newspaper's attorney that she wanted to fire me. Now, what, and what Tony level? showed Tony was out of town. He showed up for the end of the meeting and said, okay, Alice, if you fire him, you have to fire me. Wow. And that was the only way that I stayed. So then it was like, okay, just don't go near Roland. So I said, I kind of like, oh, okay, right. So I, I, you know, I can't control myself. I, I have bad judgment. You can't. <laughs> uh, me too. I'm I, the same. I know. I, I'm the can't. same way. So, so uh, you know, I'm kind of, okay, I'll leave Roland alone. Well, then a friend in Montana tells me about Roland's hunting exploits down there and all the hunting Roland does down there and how much time Roland spends in Montana and blah, blah, blah. So I kind of went, yeah, that's pretty weird. I wonder if he's resident of alaska or montana which could this be <laughs> so one yes. night so one night i'm sitting there and i get on the computer i get on the computer and and alaska you can apply for hunting licenses and all that and online yeah. so i kind of like you know i go i wonder if roland applied for it. i get on montana's and i type in roland's name and and Find out that it's got Roland's address, but, it, you know, you got to have your ID and everything to enter it as Roland. So all I know is now that Roland's online down there, and he's using a Montana address on their website. And at and, this point, he was appointed to the Board of Fish? Yeah, yeah. It's, he's on the Board of Fish. He's uh, appointed, but not confirmed. Right, uh, not confirmed. So, so I'm like going, okay, there's only one reason you'd be using your Montana address on a Montana fishing game website. That's obviously to apply for a resident license. So I have a friend in Montana who's very well connected with fish and wildlife down there. And I call him and said, you know, I can't find this out, but can you find out if Roland got resident licenses down there? And he calls me back the next day and said, yeah, nobody, you know, I can't get you anybody to tell you this officially, but yeah, he did. And you can't have you can't you got to pick a state. You could be one yeah, state. Yeah, you, you, you can only be, be you can only be a resident in one state. Yeah, you, you can't, can't be multi resident. Can't be a resident in multiple states. So at that point, you know, I've got it, but I haven't got it confirmed. So I call up a trooper I knew who I could trust, which there aren't many of them, uh, and we went and had coffee. And I handed the file to him and said, "Well, look, here's what I know. You know, you have the authority to go find out whether or not he's also." Is like a coffee shop or yeah, restaurant or something? Oh, shop. wow. Is, you have was the, he in uniform? Or no? You have the authority to uh, know that, find out whether, no, not in uniform. Hey, you have the authority to find out whether or not he's li licensed as a resident there, which, you know, as we both know, is illegal and is a problem. So he said, okay, I'll check. I got up the next morning and uh, found a message from him saying, you were right on my email. And clicked onto my computer to find out that Roland had mysteriously withdrawn from the Board of Fisheries. Oh, because they must have been asking about it. Well, apparently the governor called him in and said, we found this out, you need to resign now. So how did it get to the governor, the trooper? Trooper. Troopers told the governor that we got a problem. Did you feel burned? Well, no. I, it, it, I went into the office. That's a good story. I went into, I went into the office. I told David Hewlin and Rich Mauer exactly what had happened. And they proceeded to write a story for the Anchorage Daily News about how Roland had resigned because of fish disputes in Cook Inlet. Which is really isn't the case, no, right? It no, it's a lie. A Montana it was thing. a total lie. So what did you what did you do? I uh, well, I was already in trouble by then. So I actually went out to the parking lot and called Nat Hertz, who was working in Juno as the Juno reporter at the time, and said, Here's the deal. 
Oh, what a scoop that is. This is what happened. And Nat, to his credit, pursued the story and broke a very, very tame story the next day in which they admitted that, oh, yeah, Roland's under investigation for claiming to be a resident in two states. Wow. How, how, how often, I mean, this is just, uh, not sure anybody knows the answer to this. How often do you think people are doing this kind of two licenses and two, I mean, it probably happens a lot, right? Uh, I think it happens more than we know. How would you, how would you police that? You just start to. Mer- well, there's computers now. It shouldn't mer- be that, mer- yeah, just, yeah, just it shouldn't a, be that hard. Do a du- you know, duplicate. I mean, I, I would guess that there, if not, there should be a national database that, so somebody here can just, yeah, you could let a computer cross-reference them. So, so what was, when you were there, what was Alice's editorial control, if any? Because I know, I, I know, and I was going to ask you about this, during the whole, and part of the, the National Guard thing was bad. I mean, I think we can all agree there was yeah, a lot yeah, of fucking problems yeah. there. But it's like after Walker won, it, the story stopped. Um, so, so I've always w- wondered what you thought. I mean, I think you can well, see visibly what was going there's on. There's two kinds of control. There's, there's, there's actual control and there's... There's control by putting the right people in the right places. Right. And Alice's control was kind of she figured out who would do things not to upset her and put them in charge. And that that worked really well. I mean, her whole connection with Walker went uncovered the whole time it was going on. I mean, I think for those who are paying attention, at least kind of a, were, were aware that it was like a National Guard story was coming out every day almost before yeah, the, up until the yeah. election. Up until the election. And then it just kind of faded away. And it's and like, well. And then it kind of faded away. And, and all of Alice's efforts to influence the state budget never, ever saw the light of day. And, and, and she and he, was whispering in Walker's ear all the time. And even a couple of years later. I would um, expect she was the China connection because she has good China connection. Well, because, um, what's a, a Ruben's yeah Ruben's her, her, her hobby had and this guy was a billionaire I mean, yeah. this guy is very very he's very well connected she's very well connected she was deeply involved in the Chinese over Arctic affairs because the Chinese want to get into the Arctic and they apparently saw her as an Arctic yeah. connection so I'm I'm pretty confident she put the whole China you know gas line package together you for me- Walker you remember several years never saw the, the light of day this is the whole uh President G comes here to Alaska the whole yeah. deal so do you remember um Three or well, four years yeah, ago. I mean, remember when Obama came and he goes to dinner at her house? Yes, and, yes. And they claim they didn't talk about anything political. That, that's when they had the. Uh, I mean, that's when they had the oysters, amus, bush, and a white wine reduction. This is. So I remember. This is I remember the president of the United States meeting a bunch of people and no nothing political is discussed. It's it's wild. So I remember. I, I remember. I got the menu and I posted it. This is way before I was doing landmine or anything. But I, I was a candidate. You know, I was running for senate and. I said, what the fuck is this? You know, like Campbell, this is way before the Campbell Lake story blew up. This is way, years before that. But I get the menu and I put it on my Facebook and I said, check out. I was like, I was like, you know, I wasn't invited. Yeah. Hashtag peasant. And it's like oysters, amus, bush, and a white wine no, reduction. No coverage whatsoever in the Anchor Stilly News. No coverage so, of who was there. All they ran was an official statement from Alice saying, you know, he's meeting with select Alaskans, although it was more than Alaskans. And politics was not discussed. So, so to give him credit, Austin Baird, who you you know Austin. Oh, I know um, Austin. You know he, he he's now he's yeah. Been, Austin was one of the few people who actually poked at that that he, bear a few times. He got so he and, and now he's with the majority. He was with Walker, but he was yeah. with Channel Two for a long time, and he, he didn't give a fuck. I mean, he has stories about going up to n- the North Slope and getting you know threatened. You know, vi- yeah. Like, like, yeah. He's not no, Austin, scared. Austin so did a great job. He goes there. over there to Campbell. Austin, Lake. by the way, worked at the dispatch for a while. He, he did, that's right. He did, yeah. didn't he? 
So he goes over to Campbell Lake and he's like trying to figure this out, but it's all roads blocked off. You can't get, you know, a secret service, everything. So he talks to the guy who lives in the lake and he's like, Hey, can I, can I, can I use the canoe? And the guy's like, sure. So I don't know if it was Austin or if it was, the, I think it was him and the camera guy. I'm not sure which one it was, but anyways, they're on the canoe trying to get a, a picture and the fucking Navy SEALs or some commando unit shows up in like a Zodiac, like, like guns drawn, you know? And it's like, hands up, fucking freeze. And, you know, cause they have a perimeter for this. Yeah. Thing. And this is like, this is, you got to give a lot of credit for that. Yeah. You know, you're trying to figure out what's going on. Get us, get a picture, see who's there. Yeah. It's doing your job. I mean, if he'd got arrested, he probably would have been even better. <laughs> well, this is this is going back to Tony getting arrested by the Joe Miller. Yeah. You know, that was that was that was awesome. <laughs> Joe Miller campaign. It just seems like man, we had, it just it'd be how great would it be if all these people we're talking about here could be in one place, one building, one newspaper, one online. You know, man, it would just be it would be such a value for the state because for my struggle and for your struggle, you know, we have landmine, which is you know we have more people besides me, but it's just right now we're doing okay because of the election, but. In a few weeks, all the ads are going to go away. Yeah, and all the ads are going to go away. So, and, and, and then, you know, they, at the moment, that's the only way to make money. That's what KTVA did. I mean, KTVA did. They made all their money on the election. They thought they could work that way. Um, in 14, they, yeah. With yeah. The, and the, now, look, they're gone. Yeah, they're they're gone. gone. They thought, you know, we, we can live between election cycles. Well, the next election that rolled along, they didn't make enough money. So, yeah, it's, a, it's how to make this model work. I don't think anybody knows yet. Do you think there's a, I mean, do you think there's a, I mean, you know, there's this thing, Texas. I, I, I think Tony, uh, Tony had the idea. I mean, you have to have very, very low overhead. Well, and that's that's our thing. We have no building. We yeah. have no. We that's have no my rent. thing. I have, have I have no I have no real overhead. I mean, what I do, I do at my desk and you know my office. Now, now there's this thing about the Texas Tribune. You know about them? It's a newspaper kind of deal. It's online. It got started by. Um, it's not basically a nonprofit, I guess. And yeah. Some, some very wealthy folks put money into yeah, it. Yeah, and, and, and there are several of those. The Minnesota Post is another one. And that seems to be one model. But yeah. I don't know. I kind of just. Uh, I kind of like the for profit. If I want to, you know, go. No, out. and I, I, ha- I've had people, you know, I've had people with money approach me and say, you know, if you did a nonprofit, we'd back you. And I just, after my Alice experience, I'm really. You know, the idea of setting up a nonprofit and giving the people with money control makes me very nervous. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I actually, uh, you, you look at this whole thing with Berkowitz. Um, we did the story, but did you see that article by Defector Media? No. So Defector Media um, is pretty new. They're a spinoff of, you know, Deadspin. You remember Deadspin? Yep, yep, yep. So that was, they got brought down in the whole Gawker, um, you know, Hulk Hogan sex tape. Peter Thiel was bankrolling the lawsuit. And um, these guys got a hold of me uh, last week when this whole Ethan thing was blowing up. And I talked to the guy who's, who's one of the, the head guys over there. And basically what happened was after uh, the, the Gawker thing blew up and they had different newspapers or online media sites, uh, Deadspin got bought up by private equity. And, and he told me, the guy said, basically the, the guys were over there and they were fine. But then the private equity guys started to kind of get in there and tell yeah. them what they could say, what they couldn't say. Yeah. And they got, they all got so tired of it. They left and they started this defector media, which is a great name. And that's, and that's the problem. I mean, is that, you know, we've become so polarized that as soon as you let money people in, they want to take it where they want to take it. I mean, I've had people, um, and this is a smaller level, but, you know, advertisers, people who buy ads or who are supporting it, um, it's never been a direct, I mean, there's been one or two kind of pretty direct ones, but it's like, why Why are you writing about this? Like, yeah. what, what, we, we're supporting you. What are you doing? Why are you, this, is, this isn't something that's important. And, and, and oftentimes when someone says that, it is something that's very important. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, that... that we get more and more to the point where people think they should have that kind of control if they're putting in money. Um, 
And there's some people suggested that's the new model. The pay, the pay for play model? Well, kind of, you know, that must read Alaska is, you know, you're a righty publication and you're a lefty comp publication and anything that kind of goes all over the place is dead these days. I mean, I think you, you and I have the, the, the outlook that if something's fucked up, you want to write about yeah. it. I don't yeah. care who it is or yeah, what, I don't if it's my friend. If you did something wrong, I'm, you know, you just shouldn't have done something wrong. Yeah, I mean, we pulled some punches at dispatch. I mean, we there's no doubt about that, but they weren't about Alice's punches. They were, you know, kind of like, do we want to kick that bear? Oh, no, and I mean, everything you do is you, you make a choice. Yeah. I, mean, I've had, I, I've, I make that. I mean, I make that choice all the time. I mean, with all this stuff going on about law enforcement, I get people regularly sending me messages telling horror stories about, you know, meetings with cops in Alaska that, you know, they want somebody to do a story. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm not, <laughs> I don't, I got mm-hmm. enough problems going on. I'm not, I'm not I mean, doing I, that. I got, you know, I, I was, I've, a hundred times I was thinking about something. I start making some calls and then I go like, oh fuck, you know, do I want to deal? Yeah. Do I want to deal with I, this? Yeah. I mean, is, I mean, it, I, is that I, important I, to want to deal with it? And I, if it is, I'll do it, but. <laughs> Yeah, I know a woman who who got her arm broken by a trooper in Seward. Was charged with drunk driving. She wasn't drunk. They never. She never. She blew like a two zero. You know, she blew like zero. Point, point, yeah, point oh two. Point. You know, something below, way below the limit. Whatever. You know, I think it's nine now or eight. She eight, was down yeah. there at a two. Um, but you know, yeah, that's like half a beer. Yeah, and they were convinced she was, and you know, it it just. It was film and whatnot, and the judge tossed the DWI, but, you know, the rest of it, she couldn't get any traction on. Um, I got to say, the one thing that I've learned in the last, and I'm new to this whole world, you know, I started doing this landmine thing, actually, almost to the day, three years ago, the first first article, or first Sunday column, but my my appreciation for the free press has grown. I mean, look at this Campbell Lake thing we did. I mean, this is, this is... Something that you you had even talked. Yeah, about. I mean, this yeah. has been sixty years. People been have been going, talking about yeah, this. Been going on forever. And through through one you know well researched and Paxson, my friend Paxson, you know Paxson was a huge yeah. part of it. Um, you know, we were. It's still kind of the, hasn't really changed officially yet, but it's still it's it's like that one thing changed the whole way people perceive yeah. or look at something. And it, well, I mean, it certainly cemented that there was legal access there. Which, yeah. Which without that, you know, that eventually would have been vacated. Well, and they tried, you know, they, they yeah, tried I, to. That's, that's what I mean. And they, if it had gone on another 30 years, I have no doubt that it would have been, you know, some planning commission would have said, look, this is so old that nobody uses it. Yeah. We'll vacate it. Last thing I want to ask you about is this whole uh, Stewart Trail business, which Paxson um, <laughs> wrote, wrote about. And um, I kind of helped with, but he wrote about it. And then we were out there with you and you live up there. Yeah, you live the, right I near live the gate. There, yeah. So this guy, Pew, if folks don't realize, read, read the article, um, um, one man's mountain. The yeah. Paxson wrote last year. This guy comes up uh, from Texas, I think Louisiana. Louisiana BP guy. He buys BP his guy. beautiful parcel of land. There's another guy behind him who, yep. who's three more behind him. S- strange kind of guy, Cavanaugh, and um, it's this trail that's been there since the '60s yeah, or '50s. It's a, it's a historic uh, homestead road, and it's basically McHugh Peak yeah. and this access. So this guy puts up a gate that looks like something the Stasi would build. I mean, just very, <laughs> you know. Band of metal, barbed wire, and, you know, arching inwards to keep people out. Game cams, the whole deal. And uh, the city tells him to take take it down uh, several times. And he w- now it's in litigation. But yeah, this guy litigation. is Frank Pugh. I mean, he, Chris Burge, before he died, and Chris Constant. In yeah. fact, we walked it. And then he goes on the radio, and he goes in public meetings, and he's calling us criminal trespassers, and the guy's got game cams, and 
video of us and yeah, people. Yeah, Chris and I went up there and walked it. And Chris used to work, you know, public public right-of-ways in Fairbanks. Yeah. He, he just looked at it and said, you know, in Fairbanks, we would have just declared this public right-of-way. It's a historic homestead road, and that would have been the end of it. Now, Pew, he, um, he, has, a, he, no, he has the gun, too. He comes up with folks. Oh, yeah, he has a gun on his hip, right? He usually carries a gun on his hip, yeah. So you, and you still use it because you've been using this thing for yeah. a long time. I, I'm not going to stop just because some guy's carrying a gun on his chest. We were up there once with uh, PAX with you. And remember, the, the yeah. Kavanaugh guy blocks the road yeah. with the truck and gets yeah. really uh, kind of aggressive with us. Yeah. I, I, and he was having some issues. He's been better of late. I, uh, he blamed his divorce on all the controversy over the road. So that's what was going on when we were there. And he was, you he know, was getting divorced, and, and it was all, you know, because of people walking on the road in his mind. He's, he's, yeah, I don't think that's probably the... Well, he, he has some of those weird Cora posts about yeah, he's, him, him, his like intelligence, and it's like the hardest thing yeah, to yeah. be so smart is that everybody you talk to, you realize you've already thought of everything they wanted to say yeah, when you were yeah, a child. He's a Mensa guy, and his social skills aren't so good because he's so smart. But, but Pew is the main instigator here. I mean, oh, yeah, he Pew, puts the gate Pew's, up. Pew's the instigator. He's the one who put Matt up to it. He, you know, he's... The one who inflamed everything. And this guy, essentially, for, for folks listening, he's kind of locked up a huge part of... Or tried to. Ch- I mean, there's still a lot of people using it. But you can still get around it, but it's yeah. not as... it's not. I mean, you no. have to deal with this guy and yeah. his game cams and, and his, and his he's, sensors. He regularly drives the road and, you know, harasses people and whatnot. So, yeah, he's, he's decided he's going to steal a public right-of-way. Now, it's in litigation. It was supposed to go in June, but the COVID happened, yeah, so COVID it's still... Happened, still I, I got an email. Did you get the email a few weeks ago? I got an email a few weeks ago that they were headed towards summary judgment. So, well, you know, who knows how long this goes on. It's the just, court, I think... The court system, it could take years. I just think there's so many... You look at this thing, or Campbell Lake, or all these other... We, we get... Now we've kind of become this weird, like, public access publication. Well, so I, we get emails all the time from people with stories. <laughs> some of them are crazy, but some of them are like, there's one out in the Talkeetan, there's a section line easement. We got to look into it. But I mean, this guy puts up a fucking gate. It's on a section line. It's clear. Puts up a gate and he tells people, Hey, if you want access, you know, I need talk to me and I'll give you a key. And it's bullshit. Yeah. It's illegal. It's an illegal gate. I'm surprised it hasn't been pulled out of there because the Matsu borough has been Way more proactive about but, yeah. that stuff than the than Anchorage. There's another one we heard about. A, a lady called me. This there was another. I don't know if it was a section line. It sounded like it was. We didn't look into it, but the gate pops up, and this um, they had property back there, and and she's like, "What the hell's going on here?" And finally fi- finds the guy and says, "Hey, I need to get back here." And he goes, "Well, I'm, I'm I'm restricting. I don't want people back here." And and then she said, "She says the guy told her I'll give you a key, because you're the kind of people I want back here." And she goes, what kind of people is that? And he goes, white people. <laughs> wow. That's a pretty funny story. That's wi- yeah, it's wild. But I think there's so, mu- there's so much public access, so many issues in the state. Yeah, there, there are those all over the West. I mean, the whole West is fighting with this now. Um, I mean, I was just in Idaho a little while ago, and a you know, bunch of California people are moving in. They bought land, and they're mm-hmm. all doing that. I mean, it's I, like, mean I got my little parcel of land. Keep off it. I mean, if, shit, if I'm on Campbell Lake and I have money, I'm probably thinking, hey, shit, you know, get it. I want this to be my lake. Yeah, I, I, I bought a house. To, I bought a. I bought this to be my lake. Why should anybody else be able to paddle on this lake? You know, and they always have this vision of well, if the lake's got public access, it's just going to be swarmed with people. Which um, I don't even think is the case. I mean, no, we, we it's, did just, the, it's, it's just, it's bull. We had that storm, that guy organized that storm Campbell Lake thing in January. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's things so big. One, the, the, the airplanes can land way at the end and it doesn't even interfere with yeah, no, the it's, other side. It's, it's, it's you know, it's people 
drumming up their own fears. I well, mean, Craig, Frank, Frank believes that, you know, if, if the McHugh Road was public access, it would become another flat top. Well, and what, you know, what's and, wrong and with people using, using there's the... There's nothing, but flat top becomes flat top because there's, a, a, a really good road. You don't have to walk it. Mm-hmm. You can drive it. It has immense views of the city. It has a whole bunch of other trails up there to, you know, go use. It has a huge parking lot. There's nothing's going to become another See, flat top. Pax in a while, but a few months back, I don't know if you saw this, but he got into this bit weird. He posted about some some people were, um, you know, you got people talking about the secret spots. Yeah. And then some some people, there was a big argument on the hiking Alaska. It was like, stop telling people about the secret <laughs> spots because, and then Pax came out and said, there's no secret spots. There's no secret there, there's, spots. There's just spots. There's just spots. And, you know, the idea that, like, people can kind of claim, this is my spot, don't tell anybody, we don't want anybody you know, out there. Um, and I guess flat top has, you know, it has grown a lot. There's, you go out there in the summer, there's a lot of people there. But. Yeah, but it's easier to find a secret spot now than it used to be. Why is I that? Mean, nobody goes a mile off the road. Yeah. I mean, the, there used to be a lot of much more, you know, kind of out there people. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've increased in population, but the number of people that go far, it's actually gotten smaller. No, I mean, once you get out, if you get, you know, past the ramp or in the truck, you know, a little out there in the front range, I mean, it's like, yeah, no one's out there. You no don't really see anybody. There. Maybe and, you see and, one and, other couple or one other group and, or something. And most of them that are out there gravitate to some place where they know there will be other people because then they feel safer. Which is part of the reason flat top is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody goes there because you know there's lots of other people around, and that we, makes them feel safe. We did or a couple, dead before COVID. We did a couple of years ago. We went some buddies went to Ship Lake, and uh, it was summertime, beautiful, beautiful weekend, yeah, I bet sunny. You saw nobody back. We there. saw one other one other group couple, I think, and they were on the other end of the lake. And we never even we never even saw clearly who they were. We never saw anybody else except these people way. And then in the morning they hiked out. We barely saw them. So, and that was a beautiful summer day, summer weekend. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, if you go if you go far into the Chugach, you won't see many people, if any. Well, Craig, this has been a great uh, man. I've been meaning to do this with you forever. What's your plan now? What What are you just doing? What is it? CraigMedra.news, right? Uh, yeah, I just kind of keep doing what I'm doing. Every now and then, people send me money. That helps. I'm sending oh. money. That's that's the challenge. It's it's like if everybody I tell people if everybody who read the thing gave ten bucks a month, that'd be it'd probably be enough. Heck, if I got you know a penny a click, I'd be doing fine. But it just doesn't work that way. Do you do you, do you run the Google ads or no? Um, I did, and I stopped. Yeah, we we did it for we did it for about a day. Paxton set it up, and we had these fucking most bizarre yeah, you Trump straws. You, 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 and you didn't know, you didn't know what was going to be on there, and there's not much of a payback. Yeah, it's it, you have to be having. You have to have so many. I mean, yeah, you have to have so much traffic. I mean, you have to have huge, huge numbers of traffic to make those Google ads pay. We figured out, we estimated by, by their tool and everything, we figured out we could have probably pulled in 15 to 20 grand a year from it. Yeah. But, but you, you know, you depending on where, and you got to put them everywhere. One. Yeah. And then it's like Trump, we had this one that was Trump straws, and it was like Trumpy bear, and it was like weird, like bizarre business shit, like, yeah, strange yeah. stuff. You and never know what's going to be there. So I, I just said, look, I don't want to deal with. I don't think yeah. people want to see that, and it's and they pop up everywhere, and it's like, yeah, it's just, and and yeah, it's it's a distraction. And but there's lots of sites that do that. I mean, that's why you get those sites that you go to, and they tease you with something, and then you have to click ten times to get to the part you. I know. I, you I, were I, teased about, and that's just because they're crack, racking up the Google click. I know. I hate it. You go. To, you go to oh, I hate read it. a story, and then you get this video, and you got to watch a twenty minute and the second yeah. video, and then you go, and then you got to click another page to yeah. go to the next thing to I, read it, and I know it's uh I know it's it's it, it the mis- business is a mess, and it's getting more of a mess every day. Well, Craig, I love your reporting. I love reading. You got some. You got some great takes, and you got you got well, a, a, a knowledge unique to 
basically this whole business that I think very few people have. And I, I love reading your stuff. Well, thanks. Send money. We should do this again. We should do this. We should. I mean, I think you should start a Craig Medrid po- or come to my podcast or you start your own yes. podcast. Cause you I, got, I got enough stuff going. I don't have time to start a podcast. Well, I'll do some more with you. You know what? I barely have time to read all the COVID research these days. Oh, it's like nonstop. It's, just, it's nonstop. It's just every, it's, every day. It's something it's, totally it, new. Yeah. Totally new. And, it's totally complicated and it's oversimplified and everybody thinks they wear their mask will be safe. Mm-hmm. If you're listening, wearing your mask is not going to make you safe. You don't think so? They, I thought the research has shown that they, it stops the particles. Yeah, it stops the particles and they, and they, it helps, they, I guess. That's debatable. Okay. There, there's a. Uh, I saw Fauci on 60 there, Minutes. Like, on there, there's, a, there's a new study out of Oxford, Harvard, Cambridge group of scientists that quantified all the non-pharmaceutical interventions, uh-huh. the mass got a minus score. Wow. Well, you they know, kind of said, you know, maybe it could help. You know, they were very political about, you know, well, we don't want to say it's making it worse, but it, you know, it didn't score well. It scored negative. And well, Bill Maher, you know, you know who I watch religiously, um, which is kind of funny with Bill Maher, the word religious, but he, um, his whole thing, and he says this a lot, it's like, we need to be talking about being healthier. Yeah. Like, that's the one thing you don't hear a lot is like, and I'm, I need to lose some weight myself. I, yeah. I admit that, like, we need to talk about making better decisions, eating better, not it's being a, overweight. There's another study out today that says that's a five-fold increase for physiologically fit people. Increase of, 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 of less survival. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's... You've you got five times the survival odds if you're, if you're physically healthy. Which I don't debate, and that's and you and you've got half the odds of catching it if you're uh, not obese. Yeah, and, th- and this is what Bill Maher talks about all the time. Is, yeah, and is, but our, nobody wants to. Who wants to deal with that in America? Well, it's easier to just slap on a mask because that other stuff. You got to get off the sofa. You got to you know you got to cut your food intake. That's not fun. Mm-hmm. That's. It's the American way, right? It's the yeah. American way. We want it easy. Give me an easy solution. Okay, I'll put yeah, my give, mask give, on. Give me a pill or give me a shot yeah. or give me a whatever it is. Yeah, and, you know, I'll put my mask on and I'll live with this stupid mask till we get that magic vaccine, and then it won't be a problem. If, well, you, have, if you have high blood pressure and diabetes, it's easier to take some pills than, than you know, lose weight yeah. and eat better because yeah. those two things can, can yeah, fix they're, those. Well, they're tough. I mean, dieting is tough. I, I tell you, I know, but buddy, I, you're, pretty, you're pretty fit though. Look at you. I, you're, yeah, I'm pretty fit, but I'll tell you, I'm like 25 pounds over my marathon weight. And when I was running a hundred miles a week back, you know, when I was running marathons consistently, the biggest problem I had was I had to diet to run sub three hour marathons. There was no way I was going to run the times I wanted at the body weight I wanted to be at. So, uh-huh. and it sucked. Dieting sucks. Oh, it does work. I mean, r- running if, you, if you're not used to working out, going to the gym sucks. So. Yeah, but not as much as dieting. That's true. I was just gonna. Well, not as much. Not as much as dieting. I mean, if you get sick too. <laughs> I mean, you can make a habit of exercise, and then it kind of becomes like you need it because you feel bad if you're not yeah. doing it. Dieting, I can't make a habit of that. I mean, that's like suffering. What I've done recently, and I've lost some weight, is I just I've, I really, fo- I've really focused on um, just just really just. And this is an easy thing. It's not easy, but it's probably the easiest thing. Just watch the sugar because sugar's in everything. And if you cut out sugar, like uh, whether it's like soda or snacks or candy, yeah. I mean, it's just sugar, I think in itself is, is I mean, there's pl- plenty of studies sugar on this. Sugar and processed foods. So you just watch the watch the sugar, don't drink the soda, you know, uh, black coffee, whatever, 
And I've lost some weight just by really trying to keep active, but also just not eat sugar. Yeah, it's to, a, to, but you got to make a conscious effort. It's hard, but you know what's funny? After a few weeks, you know, the first couple of days, you're like, "Fuck, I need a, I need a candy bar, or I need, a, I need a whatever, a, a, some sweet." But then after a week or two, you kind of just doesn't really think about it anymore. It kind of goes away. Yeah, no, I had a friend who went on the paleo diet, and he lost a, he lost so much weight his doctor wouldn't believe it. it was, his doctor was like. Well, people your age, they just, I mean, you must be sick and want to run lots of tests uh-huh. saying, you know, people your age just don't lose weight like this. I mean, it looks healthy as a horse. See, and I've had, I've had friends go on these keto diets and some of these extreme diets. Yeah. And it work, it works until, because they can't go on that forever. It's just not possible it's to be on it easy. forever. So they, they, it works for three months, five, five months. Then they go off, then they go back to what they were kind of doing and they gain it back. Yeah. Because you're on some extreme, that's why the sugar thing for me, it's like you can, you can reasonably stop eating reduce your sugar intake by a lot. And it's not going to be yeah. something you can, oh my God, I have to go back to sugar. Reduce your sugar, cut your portion size. I mean, there are simple solutions. It's just. You, you start doing this keto shit, which I've tried. And maybe I, maybe I didn't get past the, whatever the keto sickness, but I, I mean, I felt horrible. Yeah. Doing, well, I, I felt horrible. If you get past it there, I, I thought about doing it because a bunch of cyclists have decided there's a performance advantage to it. So I, but I thought about doing it just to see if that happened, but it just was too much trouble. Yeah, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. Yeah, I, I mean, mean to go just, eat. I mean, you have to like every. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the good part. I mean, you, you can have cheese and you know eggs yeah, but and certain, but it's like all the. It's really hard to keep up with it. Yeah, it's just it's hard. It's like you know, and it's it's just it's weird to go out and order a burger like Doug did when he was paleo without the bun. Yeah, no, I, I had a friend who was he'd get the <laughs> he get the bring, lettuce he'd get the burger with yeah, lettuce on it. Just mm. bring me the burger and the lettuce on it. Like, I mean, it's too weird. You I sound mean, like a weirdo I, at the. I, I, I like to get a hold of it. You know, I want something. I grab it in my hand. Okay, we've talked. Okay, enough. Craig, Let's this has been great, buddy. I love, love doing this. We'll do another one. Okay. All right. Thanks. All right, Craig. Uh, Craig Medrid, folks, and uh, CraigMedrid.news, and thanks for listening. And if you uh, have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.